We are live. Okay. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, Sacramento Disability Advisory Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to, your, called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Brandy Tuzon Boyd. Here. Commissioner Will Kennedy. Here. Commissioner Angelica Williams. Here. Vice Chair Masumi Mus Crowley. Present. And Chair Alan McMillan. Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Thank you. This meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and you wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, raise the hand at the bottom of your screen. If you're on a mobile app, raise your hand by tapping raise hand in the more tab. If you're on a telephone, dial star nine and then Dial star six to mute and unmute. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called upon. Now we'll proceed with the meet with today's agenda. Let's please rise for the land acknowledgement. To the original people of this land, the Nisi Non people, the Southern Maidu, Valley Plains, Valley and Plains Miwok the Putwin Wintoon peoples, and the people of the Walton Rancher area, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation of Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Vice Chair Crowley, can you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, please? My pleasure. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, individual, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much. Our first uh, business today is the approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no members of the public with their hand raised. Okay. Are there any commissioners to speak on this item? Besides myself. Um, um, there were going to be some changes made to the follow-up log. If you, if you look at the today's follow-up log, there's some changes suggested to that. I don't know if this is the appropriate time to discuss those. Or we discuss those at the end of the meeting. Hi, if you'd like to pull it off the consent calendar, you could discuss it now if you'd wish. Or if you want additions, you can wait until uh, member comments. Let's save it for member comments. We have a full agenda today. Okay. So, if, um, so could I have a motion to to move? 
Commissioner Tuzon Boyd, I move to approve the consent agenda. Get a second. Angelica Williams, second. Thank you. Could we please have a vote, Clerk? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd? Aye. Commissioner Kennedy? Aye. Commissioner Williams? Aye. Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. And Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you. Now we'll proceed to the discussion calendar. The first thing on here is the, is the um, council rules of procedure review. Do we have a report on that today? One moment, Chair, we're having a technical uh, difficulty here. Good afternoon or evening, Chair and um, Commissioners, my name is Mindy Cuppy. I'm your city clerk, and I'm going to give you a brief update on the city council rules of procedure. So in November 2022, the city council updated the city council rules of procedure. Since these rules apply to city boards and commissions and committees and their members, I would like to provide a very brief update of the rules as we continue to uplift commissions to the same expectations, standards, and processes as the city council. I will continue to make you aware of any updates to any rule that pertain to your service as a commissioner. This update should, of course, not replace reading the rules, which are part of your agenda packets. So the council rules of procedure govern all city meetings, city councils, city council standing committees, city boards, commissions, and committees. And these rules are intended to transparently communicate clear and consistent rules of procedure and decorum such that council members, commissioners, and members of the public understand procedures so they can effectively engage in the city's inclusive decision-making process. So the council rules of procedure covers duties of the members, recognizing the stewardship of the public interest is primary concern and working for the common good of the people of Sacramento. Conduct of members, which means put the constituents first, treat each other, the public and staff with dignity, courtesy and respect. Conduct of the public, to listen courteously and attentively to public comment, but make no promises to the public on behalf of the advisory body. Conduct of council with boards and commissions. Commissioner, council members cannot participate in your meetings with the purpose of influencing the outcome of your meeting. Meeting agendas, it states the order of each agenda so that the public knows how to participate. Conduct of meetings, quorum and chambers, and how the public can participate, including continuing to offer virtual access to the public. So some updates um, of note. So this includes how a member of the public may participate in a meeting via a teleconferencing platform adds language that prior to an agenda item being brought to the city council, it should be brought to the relevant city board, committee, or commission, and the staff report should include the board, committee, or commission recommendation. Clarifies the order of agendas and public hearings. Again, consistency across legislative bodies so the members and public know how to participate. 
added that the continuation of a meeting past 9 p.m. requires a majority vote of the members present, added to the purposes of the PNPE committee, that's Personnel and Public Employees Committee, um, review advisory body annual reports and recommendations prior to them being submitted to the City Council. It updated Chapter 17 regarding City Advisory Body vacancies and appointments to be consistent with Sacramento City Code Chapter 2.40. Added a provision that all City Advisory Bodies shall maintain a log of future agenda items. Most of you already do. This is consistent with the City Council and many other commissions. And it outlined a standard and consistent process for City Advisory Bodies to annually report to the City Council. So again, Chapter 17. Um, my update will focus on Chapter um, 17. Um, which is in regards to city council established boards, commissions, and committees. Um, of course, vacancies is not new, vacancy and appointments is not a new process, and you've all gone through that. But this articulates how vacancies and appointments are made to the city established boards, commissions, and committees. So um, I mentioned requests for future agenda items. So um, you guys are familiar with this process, but members may submit items under the purview of the advisory body for inclusion on a future agenda by orally making that request under ideas, comments, and questions, and then your department staff manages that log for you. So city advisory body reports. Um, each advisory body shall provide an annual report for review by the um, PNPE committee. Um, the PNPE committee will work with the advisory body and then move that forward to the city council for approval. And I will act as your liaison to collaborate with city staff to collect any additional information that might be helpful for PNPE. Then the PNPE committee will review, provide direction, and, and forward that report to the city council. So other recommendations outside the annual review process will be coordinated by my office and we'll have them brought to the PNPE committee so they can consider and act on those recommendations the same way they do annual reports. Okay, so that concludes my presentation and I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Um, if, if my fellow commissioners don't mind, I, I have a couple questions here. Um, the annual report uh, in section C, B on chapter 17, talks about a, a, a format established by the city clerk. So is, is do we have that format available to us now, or um, is that something to come? Yes, I do have that format format available, and I'll share that with your department um, staff coordinators. Um, it's a format that's so recommended so that it's consistent across consistent across um, commissions, but not required. Okay, so thank you. And is this new for annual report new for this year, twenty twenty three? do in 2024 or do we need to do one for 2022 so it would be advantageous if you did those for 2022 at a minimum to provide to PNPE um, what you'd want to work on for the upcoming year and I think this this Commission has already started working on their annual work plan for 2023 might be advantageous to share that with the PNPE committee and get them to weigh in on it and then next year provide a report back on your accomplishments for that year and what you want to work on for the upcoming year Okay, and the last one on this one is um, to prepare this report and to discuss it with, with the commission. We probably need to agendize this for a future meeting so we can discuss this together on what our report shall state. Is that the correct way to do this? That's correct. Okay. And my very last comment was um, speaking with you early in the year, taking and, and the um, the elimination of ad hoc 
um, committees available to commissions. That's not mentioned anywhere here that that has gone away. The only references to ad hoc in this report are for the council. So was that, um, I assume that ad hoc committees are still not allowed. That's correct. Ad hoc committees um, were mentioned in city code chapter 2.40, and that's yes. where it stated that the, the commissions may not um, have ad hoc committees. Okay. Yes. Th uh, and then I just I just couldn't see it in this 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 uh, document. But thank you. Those are my questions, and uh, I thank you for the clarity, the, the direction, and having a common a common understanding of what's required. So. Um, Vice Chair Crowley, you have your hand raised for a question. And you're still on mute. Thank you. I just uh, had two questions. One is, in order to best agendize, discuss, and have things submitted to PNP, is there predetermined dates that these reports are due in final form to our staff person? There are not required dates, but I think we'll I'll work with those department staff so that we can uh, get them quickly to PNPE. You know, if everyone was done with the reports in June, we'd probably have a backlog. So I'm gonna work with department staff to kind of map that out so that we kind of stagger those so that PNPE can get to those quickly. Thank you. And then the second question was, there was, um, there is, not was anymore. There is on the website, the commissioner handbook program video guide to meeting facilitation and the rules of procedure. Is there to the chair's point, uh, a public link so all commissioners can be aware of how to best prepare for how we discuss the items? Or is that just, that was the question, is there a public link or is it in the existing link that I've reviewed but I've maybe missed to help guide uh, as we become more familiar with the new resources available online? Um, I'm not sure I fully understand your question. So there is the um, board commission and committee handbook. There's a video, um, a meeting facilitation guide. Um, I, there's not really, a, I, I'm not sure if you're referring to the annual reporting process. We don't yet. <laughs> Like because you mentioned at the beginning that you're giving an update for the new information to standardize across all commissions. So is it in the existing hyperlinks that are available for review or or I should qualify that by saying, is it at the beginning of every year at the meeting, a presentation from uh, you or the person in your position is now giving updates, meaning there's no mass, this is so updated that it's not in the link yet for us to review. It's just to be reviewed in our minutes and the slide presentation. I believe you're referring to the city council rules of procedure that I just presented on. And so that yes. is, yes, that is online. Um, I apologize for not um, understanding clearly. That is online. It is part of your agenda packet. Um, that is under the citywide policies page because it does, um, and I can send you a link to that, but um, that's a good um, tip. I will make sure it's also on the board and commission page. Um, but that is... Thank yeah, that is, there's council rules of procedure and those, it's kind of an umbrella rules that also cover boards, commissions, and committees. Um, and, and I'm, I'm sorry if you could backtrack just a little bit because I've been studying it. You said this, what you presented today is found where in the um, procedure manual? So it is, 
Yeah, so the City Council rules, rules and Procedure is a standalone document. I believe it's yeah. on the city page for citywide policies. You search for citywide policies and the rules of procedure are there. I see. Um, and the one I'm at on the commission's page, though, is Council Rules of Procedure from November 29, 2022. Yes. Is that the same that you're referencing? That is correct. And so are the, and I'm sorry for not being clearer, are the items that you presented today already in the adopted council rules of procedure that's linked or is it going to be updated no th those these i reported on the update thank you so, i haven't caught caught up to all of it so no I just problem to, thank you so much no problem and my intention is really if there's any new rule that council um has adopted that pertains to boards commissions or committees or if there's a new document we've created um i'd like to get in front of you and just make sure that all commissioners are aware of them Okay, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. That's going to get you. Uh, have to get used to saying that. Uh, you have a, you have your hand raised. Yes, my apologies. I cannot get my video to work, and I even restarted. So normally you would see me. Miss um, Cuppy, how frequently does the PMPE meet? So they currently. What is meet, their calendar? Their calendar is monthly. Um, however, we do have a new um, chair for that. Um, Councilmember Lisa Kaplan, and she's committed to meeting as frequently as we need to. Um, we're actually having two special meetings this month so that we can move quickly um, with PNPE nominations. Great. Yeah, that was uh, my other question because they um, they have not been meeting monthly for the last two years. It's been kind of haphazard. So um, I could see what that would be important to roll out some of these changes, particularly the reporting out from the commissions. Thank you. Thank you. With there's no further questions, uh, thank you for your presentation. This is a file and receive. There's no motion required. Moving on to the, our next agenda item, which is the uh, audible signals. Do we have a staff presentation? Uh, hi, yeah, I'm, my name is Devin Paulson. I'll be presenting on that. All right. Let me just get my screen up. All right. Uh, can everyone see my screen? Can now. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, so uh, hmm, it keeps going in and out. Yeah, it's out again, but uh, does the clerk have the presentation that they could just share? Um, they should. It was provided. Let me try to get this up one more time, though. Sorry about that. Let's see. Okay.
we can see it now. So uh, let's get going before it disappears again. <laughs> yes. It, it keeps just flashing on my screen. It says uh, you need to move away from this window or something. And then the, my screen flashes black. Huh. If anyone is a technical expert. Okay. Sorry, can you still see my screen? We, we can see the screen. Okay, um, so the, so, sorry about that everyone. Um, my name is Devin Paulson. I am an Associate Electrical Engineer with the uh, Department of Public Works with the city. And I'll be presenting the 2023 Audible Signals Project today. So the uh, 2023 Audible Signals Project deals with um, eight intersections along Alhambra Boulevard that are going to have new APS push buttons installed. And uh, all of these locations were based on citizens' requests, citizen requests um, through Josh Werner. And I listed all the locations below. And then here's a location map. It stretches from J to S Street along Alhambra Boulevard. So I thought I'd give a little introduction just on what um, an APS, an audible pedestrian system or signal is. So it's just a an audible pedestrian push button that sig uh, signals that provides audible and or vibrotactile information to let pedestrians who are visually impaired know when the walk interval begins. And they look uh, a lot like the current push buttons, but um, they have a little bit more information. And if you'll notice, the push button has a yellow border. So basically what these can do, um, we'll be placing four at each intersection, one on each, or eight at each uh, intersection, two on each corner. And these are equipped with uh, something called eye detect, which basically uh, is a touchless um, actuation where it will just detect a hand wave. And each crosswalk at each intersection will have a custom voice message and braille detail. So um, the pedestrian will know exactly which way they need to walk down. Uh, this slide just shows a couple of the existing conditions that we're looking at. Um, just a couple samples I selected. Uh, the southeast corner of K Street is um, one of the easier ones where we have a lot of open space and um, we just need to install uh, two new uh, pedestrian push button posts. But then we also have issues. Um, we have uh, situations like the northeast corner of L Street where we have a lot less room um, so we're going to have to kind of get creative on where we place these um, push buttons. And I thought I'd also include just an example of uh, one that the city has done on 6 and P Street. This is what the push button looked like. And the control unit in the traffic signal cabinet. And there's just a bigger shot of the traffic signal cabinet. So our proposed schedule and budget, we are anticipating um, or we're hoping to uh, get a construction contract awarded uh, this summer with beginning construction either late summer or in fall of 2023. And hopefully wrapping all of that up 
in uh, June of 2024 or yeah, summer 2024. And the total project cost was 650,000 and that really drove um, the number of intersections that we were able to um, include in this project. There were other ones that Josh informed us about, but um, these he identified as the most crucial, the ones that we had gotten the most citizen requests for. So that's why we chose the Alhambra corridor. All right, and uh, if you have any questions, um, I'm here to answer anything. Thank you, Mr. Paulson. Are, are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this? Thank you, Chair. I currently have no hands raised for public comment. Okay, so um, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd, you were, had your hand raised first. Please go ahead with your questions and comments. Thank you, Chair. Um, you mentioned that there were some um, requests that you were not able to meet with this project. Were those um, along the same corridor or elsewhere in the city of Sacramento? Uh, they were elsewhere in the city of Sacramento. I think we, we focused on Alhambra because it had received more uh, requests than those other areas, but I'll let um, Josh speak to that more. Yeah, to add to that, a lot of the other requests are in the downtown core. And those are being added to other capital improvement projects, namely the Central City Mobility Project is installing quite a few of them, others that were requested. Do you know how many uh, total by chance? Uh, not off the top of my head. Um, this presentation is primarily for this particular project. Um, maybe future presentations where we discuss citizen requests, I can share that info. Okay, yeah, This um, the title of this presentation was 2023 Audible Signals Project. Yeah. So um, I assume yeah. that was citywide, not just a specific area. No, um, this one project covers the Alhambra corridor. Okay. And then um, is there a monitoring and maintenance plan in place for uh, these signals once they go live? Uh, yeah, so these signals will, I mean, they'll all be connected back to the, um, the city's traffic uh, control center. So yeah, they'll be able to monitor all of these. That they continue to function as audible signals? Um, do, you, do you mean like uh, as far as just making sure that they're still functioning? Correct. Um, I need to check if that's an actual feature, but yeah, I do believe there's, you know, a maintenance plan in place to make sure that they're still functioning in, in the future. Okay. Um, and then you mentioned having to be creative on some of those locations. And I was wondering um, if you had engaged in any stakeholder input, particularly the Society for the Blind, uh, to get their input on what would work for um, the user, but still meet the, the, you know, the requirements of clearance, et cetera. Um, we haven't yet, but I think that, yeah, that would be a really good idea because there are a couple situations where, um, you know, depending on how the the buttons are facing, it might be harder to hear them or um, or see them. So, yeah, we'll, we'll try to coordinate with, um, with whoever we need to to make sure that, you know, the people who actually need to use these can use them. That would be my, my number one um, recommendation or suggestion to engage with Society for the Blind of Sacramento. And then just to clarify, you mentioned Braille. Is that Braille on those signs um, above the signage that's located above the button? Let me see if I can. 
I don't actually know where the braille is located on the switch on the um, the push button, but yeah, it would be somewhere. It would be either um, you know right above the button or somewhere on the 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 face of it. So the the braille is on the button, not on the signage. I actually don't. I I don't know exactly where it is, so I need to check that. Okay. Yeah, because I wasn't really. The signage seems like an additional cost, and I'm not really sure if it's necessary if this. Um, project is meant to provide audible uh, support for individuals with visual impairments. Um, but if the Braille itself is on the signage, then that makes more sense, just from a trying to understand perspective. <laughs> yeah, we'll confirm with the manufacturer, though. That's a good point. All right. I, I think that's really the last of my questions. I just know that we have talked before about um, lack of, of a maintenance plan for other audible signals throughout the city. So that would be one of my, my major um, concerns, adding additional audible signals, but not having a way to monitor that they are in fact audible and functioning the right way. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Vice Chair Crowley. Thank you for the presentation. I am grinning ear to ear because I need to give a very, uh, this accolades because my visually impaired child took great interest in listening to the presentation. And her comment was in her training, she's 10 years old, that she would make sure that the braille uh, lettering is where it should be on, on the arrow and on the icons, uh, be below the icons above the solid line. So that's from uh, a constituent who is near and dear to me. Uh, so FYI. Well, please uh, tell them, thank you very much for <laughs> that piece of information. Welcome. That's according to, you know, 2022-2023 standards of the public school system. So there you go. <laughs> um, I had a brief question, which was kind of along the lines of, I don't know that it's under maintenance, but there was a lot of talk in the visually impaired community during the atmospheric river shutdowns of, of signs and the winds and whatnot. It looks like from the picture that there's such a modernization happening on Alhambra and it's well, well needed. Uh, it may also help to know whether or not the, not just the manufacturer, but the grid of Alhambra, what is the um, emergency plan so that there is a tactile, it, there may be some sort of, um, it may not require additional budget, but it may be just a request to have some sort of uh, major points along the grid of the work that's being redone to have that be like a manual backup. Uh, I'm not too clear on what, I don't know what the term is, but for example, if the audio goes out, then there's some sort of tactile beyond braille, which acts to keep the safety of that person that may be experiencing uh, mid walk or however they may be purposely using the intersection. And it may just be a feature that just needs to be requested and not increase on the budget. So what I meant to say there is in terms of manufacturers ability to have like a backup system so that the audio doesn't go off or the electronics, that is part I suspect of maintenance, but there's something in the emergency plan of these devices that we all discussed in the, in the community, which was, just because the device went out and it doesn't work fully, what 
type of education needs to be made aware at these new signs so that uh, the practice of being safe while using them despite a feature needing to be fixed or short-circuited or a battery changed or whatever the words are in the maintenance. I just wanted to kind of highlight that because that's where the, the individual using these upgrades uh, feels unsafe or um, lost, literally, on how then can they navigate safely and it becomes a very, uh, it doesn't promote independence uh, otherwise. So knowing that information so that it can be disseminated through the deck and through other means for the city would be a more comprehensive way to uh, identify how to maximize the use of this large investment that's um, happening. Okay, if there's no further comments on this one, um, thank you, Mr. Paulson, for your presentation and taking your time to be with us tonight. We're going to uh, move. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to move on to the next presentation. Um, I believe there's a presentation on the Golden One uh, ADA drop-off location. Do we have a presentation on this? Yes. Hello. Good evening, commissioners. I do have a presentation on this subject. Give me a moment. I'll get uh, get it going. Oops. Okay. Can we see my screen okay? Oops, not yet, probably. Not yet. Let me push the share button here. Yes. Okay, we good? Yes. All right. So I'm here uh, this evening to give you guys an update on the Golden One Center event loading zone. Um, <clears throat> so a little history background. Um you know, this all came from the Golden One Center traffic management plan. So what is the traffic management plan? Uh, the Golden One Center tra event tra transportation management plan was approved back in 2016. 2016, the purpose is to identify strategies to provide safe, convenient, and efficient access for all modes of travel uh, to and from the Golden One Center. And the identified strategies are intended to minimize conflicts between vehicles, pedestrians, bicycles, and transit before, during, and after Go Golden One Center events. Uh, so the purpose of this presentation is to talk specifically about the ADA drop-off and pickup location modifications that have happened. So <clears throat> the ADA loading zone, the TMP has identified 4th and J as a temporary ADA loading zone for events at Golden One Center. Uh, recent construction that was completed in 2001 improved 4th Street, including modifications to the temporary ADA loading zone for events at Golden One Center. So what does the previous... Uh, previously approved ADA loading zone look like. So if you can see the highlighted area here, um, the previous condition were modifications of existing perpendicular parking. Um, we would deploy a sign during events that says ADA drop-off pickup only. Uh, temporary ramps were ins installed next to uh, perpendicular parking uh, to allow access to the sidewalk and onto, uh, onto the event J Street to 5th Street. Uh, what does the new ADA loading zone configuration look like? So the new ADA loading zone is now on the east side of the street, of 4th Street. Uh, it's parallel parking. Um, there's a permanent curb ramp construction installed. 
with an accessible aisle, uh, allowing space for pedestrians to navigate from their vehicle to the sidewalk. Uh, what are the next steps? So the next steps, uh, we are increasing our parking enforcement at the accessible loading zone during Golden One Center events. Um, we acknowledge that we are rather shorthanded on parking enforcement officers, but we're committing to have an enforcement officer cruise that area a couple of times on event nights. <clears throat> uh, Public Works, we are having continued discussion with uh, the Sacramento Police Department and the Sacramento Kings to start to allow ADA drop-off and pick up at the entrance on, six, on L Street at 6th Street. So this is something that Public Works has um, is supporting. I've had you know multiple meetings with our traffic engineer, our uh, parking manager, and the department director, um, and we are having dialogue with the police department and the King Security to to begin to allow that access <clears throat> for those with placards for drop off on L Street. And while there are no immediate plans for an overall updated Golden One Traffic Center. Uh, traffic management plan. Uh, we anticipate an update after, most likely in 2025, after uh, future improvements are made to some streets around the arena that we anticipate will change traffic patterns. Um, primarily 5th Street, uh, I think, is going to be converted to a two-way instead of three-way, so that'll, or one-way, so that'll um, definitely change the situation there. So with that, I will open it up to questions. Thanks, Josh. Um, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this? Thank you, Chair. I have one hand raised for public comment. Peter okay. Mendoza, I'm going to allow you to speak now. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. Chair, members of the Commission. Thank you for the honor to speak to you tonight. My name is Peter Mendoza. I'm a community program specialist for the California State Health Fund Developmental Disability, Sacramento Regional Office. I just had a couple questions. Um, at the accessible drop-off zone, is there accessible parking nearby? How far does a person have to navigate? Let me start over. Um, when some people need to be dropped off, let's say they use power wheelchairs or other mobility devices, they use, they use that zone and then a per person has to go park a fine parking. Is there any accessible parking nearby? And my second question is, um, with some of the areas of the construction, uh, people with disabilities have commented that uh, when you leave the parking garage area and navigate towards the exit, the route, path of travel route throws you right into the street. And particularly if they have depth possession, depth, Perception issues or may have visual disability, it's difficult for them to see traffic. What's, what's being done to ensure that the, there's enough wayfinding information to keep people safe? Thank you. 
Well, I can try to address some of those questions. Um, so first, this, this presentation is intended just to give an update on what has changed with that loading zone. Um, the location is still temporarily, or they're still at 4th and J uh, for the time being. Um, when it comes to parking lots, uh, there are a variety of parking lots available um, for parking. I would encourage you to look at the Golden One Center website that identifies um, the different parking lots. Um, there's metered parking around that is available. Um, other than that, I, I can't answer completely of, of, I don't have complete knowledge of all of the parking lots, but I would encourage you to look at the Golden One website that uh, directs to different parking facilities. Uh, are there any other members of the public wishing to comment on this matter? Thank you, Chair. There were no other hands raised for public comment. All right. Well, thank you. Um, we'll go to Commissioner Kennedy. Had his hand up first. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Josh, uh, thank you again for the, the great presentation. A quick question about um, paratransit. I, I saw in the notes that paratransit should still have access. I believe it's between L and Fifth and L and Sixth Street. Um, in that, you know, in the past, actually, my brother and I have used paratransit to get in there. But uh, what I've heard is that recently, uh, paratransit is the only one that kind of uses that little indentation there for the drop-off right in, center, in front of which is essentially the uh, the VIP entrance, which doubles, yeah. which is great. It doubles as the uh, handicap accessible entrance. But a lot of bands, like from the local casinos, will park and take up a majority of that area, and the paratransit won't be able won't be able to get in there. Is there any Anything uh, we could do to, you know, as that person is going around checking on things in J and Fourth, maybe have, um, you know, the um, the, uh, the, uh, the people from parking also stop by, making sure that paratransit can still get in there and that space isn't occupied by those uh, those other local buses for casinos and such. Yeah, I can pass that feedback on. It's it's the police depart department that managed that closure, um, so we can make sure that that area is keep staying clear uh, and accessible to paratransit. I haven't personally received any complaints from paratransit about not being an being able to access that area but uh, we can definitely bring it up to kings um, and the police department about making sure that others don't you know continually park there because i know that is like you said that area is used for other access besides paratransit like vip and etc thank you so much josh hey, commissioner tuzon boyd hi I was able to get my camera to work. <laughs> yeah, you see that. <laughs> um, thank you, Josh, for the update. As you well know, this is a topic that is near and dear to me. Um, I wanted some clarification, which I have not been able to get during our offline um, messages with um, parties involved. The temporary signage that is deployed, can you verify whether that is simply the no parking allowed signage that's attached to the individual parking meters in those spaces, if you go back to the map, yep. or is there actually supposed to be a sign that says, as pictured here, pick up and drop off only? Yeah, so there are, there are signs deployed on every single meter. I think there are about 11 by 17 signs that say no parking on certain dates and uh -huh. certain times. And then they're all, per this detail, there was also supposed to be a sign deployed on the corner. And it's a rather large sign. I think it's like four and a half feet by five and a half feet. Um, that's 
that's this sign here on the on the on this exhibit that says ADA pickup drop off only. So that sign is supposed to be deployed. Also, I don't think that the Kings have been deploying this particular sign, um, and we've recently directed them to make sure that's out there. Or we, I think, we might be looking at making the sign ourselves and providing it to the Kings to make sure that this sign is being put up because I don't think it has been this year yet. I can confirm that it has never been up any of yeah. the times that I've gone by and sent you guys pictures, people illegally parking there. Um, can I make a suggestion to those that temporary signage that has the no parking with the dates? Mm -hmm. um, can it also indicate that it is meant, you know, you know, have the little logo for the disabled parking added to it? That's just a suggestion. Um, I, I believe it does have that. I don't know if you've been by to see the sign yourself. Yeah, I, 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 I go frequently. Yeah, yeah, I went look at them today. They do say they do have the the ADA symbol and that that unified as a loading zone. Okay, um, I think we're gonna look at <clears throat> we're we're gonna look at that as well. See if we can make those bigger, more pronounced. I, I honestly, I think it's a enforcement issue. Um, Correct. That that we're struggling with. Yes, and I did want to share with the other commissioners that um, when Josh speaks about the challenges the city is facing with enforcing this area, um, they currently only have 12 parking enforcement um, officers out of 55 positions for citywide. So as you can imagine, um, enforcing parking citywide um, and in this particular area is after typical hours, right? Um, this uh, zone is no parking 5.30 to midnight on the days of Golden One events. <clears throat> the city has indicated, you know, they will try to do enforcement, but um, over the last couple of months, I've gone by there um, and there are always people parked in um, those spaces. Some are actually parked in that um, hatch marked area, which is where somebody in a, a wheelchair using a mobility device would access that now permanent curb ramp. Um, and there are, are almost always people uh, double parked in that red area all the way back to where um, a van could potentially turn around, creating um, challenges for somebody to use that, that, um, that area to drop off. Um, I believe we received an e-comment on this topic. It wasn't forwarded to me as a commissioner. So um, if, uh, if that could be done for everyone else um, and city staff. There's some feedback from former mayor Heather Fargo about this location. Um, I appreciate Josh's comment that the TMP will be revisited. Um, it has been in place for more than six years and, and I am concerned that we're gonna wait two more years before we look at it again. Um, having navigated that space to go to and from Golden One events, I. I cannot imagine somebody uh, getting dropped off in that location, going elsewhere to park, and then coming <clears> back <throat> to to assist somebody to the arena itself. Um, any advocating that we can do as a commission, or um, you know, on Josh's end to move forward and make it easier for folks to get dropped off on that L Street location, yeah. I think would be a very good move and um, really allow uh, that space to be accessible to everyone in Sacramento. Um, thank you again, Josh. 
Absolutely, my pleasure. Um, and yeah, to kind of speak to that, um, you know, the, the TMP update might not be for a couple of years, um, but really most of that is not uh, too much in the purview of the DAC. And it's going to have to do with more like lane closures, um, street closures, um, updating some exhibits, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, that does not mean we're going to wait two years to explore uh, maybe getting the ADA loading zone back to L Street um, or actually to L Street. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember the exact discussions that were had back in time I was in them. And I seem to recall it had to do with security, some security issues um, with allowing the public to um, essentially drive up to a certain distance to the front door. Um, so that's why we were visiting those with with the King's security and the NBA and um, the police department. So that hopefully will not have to wait two years and that we're not going to wait two years for that. Another option to bring to the Kings, like maybe not another, but in, in addition could be, um, as Mr. Mendoza mentioned, some wayfinding or um, mechanisms that are deployed that just allow for ease of, of navigation for folks in mobility devices or those who are visually impaired to, mm -hmm. to navigate the crowds. You know, I've yeah. been I've been to events there where you just kind of walk right in and security is not that big of a deal. And I've been to events there where the lines themselves wrap around the, the whole building. And and I could just imagine if you were trying to get to that VIP, VIP entrance in a mobility device, navigating around all those bodies um, with or without assistance would be um, particularly challenging and, and, you know, make the experience less enjoyable. So thank you. My pleasure. Okay, thank you. Um, this is a receiving file item, so no file, no vote is required. Move on to the next item, the transportation planning overview. Do we have a presentation today? One moment, Chair. Uh, the presenter is uh, entering the meeting as a panelist. Greetings, Chair, Commissioners. Can you hear me? Jennifer Donlin Wyatt, Transportation Planning Manager. Yes, um, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Apologies. I had two meetings this evening and joined later to yours. Uh, thank you for having me last on your agenda and for me jumping in um, uh, with a bit of a delay. Um, my name is Jennifer Donlin Wyatt. As I mentioned, my pronouns are she and her. I'm the Transportation Planning Manager for the City of Sacramento, and it is lovely to see you all again. I'm happy to be here before you. So I'm going to share my screen. Um, all right. Wonderful. Um, I can't see you so well, um, but I think that we can move through this great. So tonight I'm here to cover a couple of topics. Um, how does the city determine what becomes a planning effort, a transportation planning effort? What are the city's priorities for transportation investments? What is the city's transportation priorities plan and its status? And how does the city determine what transportation need is a priority for grant funding? I'd like to set the stage and start with uh, the biggest issue that we face in transportation is uh, in addressing our community's needs is that, that we have a $5 billion backlog in planned transportation projects uh, with no real mechanisms to fund these plans. Um, these $5 billion represent over 700 planned projects, um, and there's a small amount of local funding that we have, but most of our, our 
plans and, and implementation are funded through grants. Um, and, and these grants are competitive and happen on every couple of years. And we usually win about $42 million a year in grants. And then in that process, it would take over 100 years to build out all of our planned efforts. So we already have a lot of planned improvements and we have to be very thoughtful about identifying new ones since we already have such a big backlog. But I also wanna go over like what is transportation planning um, and how do projects proceed from planning to construction? So we have smaller transportation projects, things like you wanna see a stop sign or we need a new crosswalk or, or maybe there's a traffic signal issue and the traffic signal is not working or there's a pothole. Those are small things that you can report to 311 and we'll do a traffic investigation um, and ideally that can just move forward. Then there are the bigger transportation projects and these are things like new traffic signals, new crosswalks that require traffic signals, um, an area or a corridor plan, bigger holistic traffic calming, new bikeways, new street trees, new sidewalks. These are all things that require transportation planning um, and a lot of money. There are also some things that I call the it depends category and it depends on how big of an effort it is. Can we do it quickly? Um, sometimes we can fund bikeways in a, a different way like funded through housing. So we'll get a new bikeway in there. Same thing with a sidewalk. And curb ramps. Curb ramps are in the it depends category, um, depending on the complexity and how much money we have in our, our program for curb ramps. There's also repaving our streets. That's a whole separate effort. Um, there's specific money for street maintenance, and, and uh, that's just managed a little bit differently than a transportation project. And it's complex, I understand, and look forward to a lot of the questions that you might have in a little bit. And then I often hear it's a mystery about the process from concept to construction. And so um, not many folks know this. And in fact, I didn't even learn it until I came to work for the city. So first, there are a number of phases. Uh, we start off with, I have my illustrative map here as a street uh, that shows different phases. Towards the left of the street is um, a bunch of cars, bicycles, wheelchairs, and shoes. These represent the vehicles to get us around in terms of transportation. But not all ideas can become a planning effort, which is the, the first phase um, where we have um, fewer bicycles, cars, wheelchairs, and sneakers. And uh, once it's decided that an idea should become a plan, what we do is we need to seek funding, grant funding to develop that plan. Seeking funding usually takes one to two years um, and should we win it, we'll receive anywhere from four hundred to $700,000 for that planning effort. And so we complete the plan, takes a couple of years and we do that. Um, and then the next phase is called preliminary engineering and environmental. Um, and you'll see fewer vehicles or cars, bicycles, wheelchairs, and sneakers. Um, we, we, because not all, it's not possible to continue to get that funding for all those plans, in a timely fashion into preliminary design. This again takes maybe two years to secure the funding. Um, and then it takes another uh, two to seven years and anywhere from uh, the money, the, the cost of it depends on the complexity, but it could be anywhere from a million to five or even $15 million to do that, that preliminary engineering and environmental phase. And then we finish that work. 
And then it goes into what we call design and construction. And I'm simplifying everything. It is a lot more complex than this, but simplifying. Um, the design phase, we seek money. We need to find money for that design work. We wait for a grant. We compete. We hopefully we get it. Um, and then we go into that work. And again, that design phase, depending on the complexity of the project, can take two, four, or six years. Um, and then we go into construction. And obviously, the construction cost and timeline varies greatly about the project. Um, in each phase, you know, we have a lot of ideas. In the planning phase, what we're looking at is where should the bus stops be, working closely with regional transit. Should the street have four lanes or two lanes? Uh, it doesn't get into a high level of design. In fact, we can't. Our grants money for planning doesn't allow us to do design work. Uh, that design work will happen in the preliminary engineering and environmental phase. Uh, so that's the overview, very simplified of the phases that we go through. And it shows, it exemplifies as linear and many times it's not linear, um, but for illustrative purposes, um, I show it as linear. And so then how do we determine what becomes a transportation planning effort? Some of the things we look at are council approved plans for future planning work, like the general plan, the bicycle master plan, the pedestrian master plan, our vision zero action plan, or even something like the central city specific plan. For example, the vision zero action plan includes council adopted actions to look at, for example, the vision zero top five corridors or the five corridors with the highest number of severe injuries and fatalities. And just in case you're curious, those are Marysville, El Camino, Broadway Stockton, Lower Stockton, and Florham. We also continually look at our crash data and related efforts of partner departments. For example, the Community Development Department and the Office of Innovation and Economic Development have been focusing on commercial corridors. And we know commercial corridors have the highest number of severe injuries and fatalities. And so that's how we elevated Northgate Boulevard, which we're currently doing some planning work on. It's also one of the top 10 corridors in the city for injuries and fatalities. Um, so that's how one of the ways we determine uh, what becomes a planning effort. We also look at the council adopted direction for transportation investments. So we look at things they told us that they want to invest in, projects and planning that improve air quality, climate and health, planning that provides for equitable investment, Planning that provides for access to community destinations, specifically parks, schools, and jobs. Planning that improves transportation safety. And then planning to fix and maintain the system. We're an old city with a lot of old infrastructure that needs to be fixed and maintained. Um, and so these are the criteria that council has adopted to guide us in, in transportation planning and implementation. And then using the criteria I just described, we wait for that funding opportunity, as I talked about in like, how does an idea become a, a plan? The vast majority of our planning efforts are funded through grants, or typically planning efforts are funded through one grant, and that's the Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant. It's really the only grant that will fund planning work. The grant opportunities every 18 to 24 months, and we'll often win one project, and that's how we funded our Stockton Boulevard plan, our Northgate Boulevard plan, our Freeport Boulevard plan, and others. If we win them funding, it typically uh, with this grant, we have two years to do the work. Um, then we seek council approval, and then once the plan is approved, it goes into the Transportation Priorities Plan. The Transportation Priorities Plan doesn't develop plans or even determine what's the content within, like the design of whatever that plan is, but only prioritizes those efforts. So as I mentioned earlier, we have that $5 billion backlog of transportation improvements, and we needed a way to prioritize our work and our investments. And that's why we created the Transportation Priorities Plan. 
affectionately known as the TPP. The TPP takes these plans that like my team works on and other folks work on, um, and we prioritize them. The prioritization was adopted by city council in November of 2022, um, which, and we did a lot of work over that two years. We did a lot of community engagement and listening uh, in a couple of different phases. The first phase was going out and reaching out to our communities about what are their values for transportation investments. Um, and that's what we heard from our communities are those things that we talked about earlier, improving air quality, climate and health, equitable investment, connecting to destinations, improving safety and fixing, maintaining the system. So we heard that after our first round of engagement. Then we applied um, that criteria to the 700 plan projects that we have, and we came up with a prioritized list based on that. And the prioritization was done in a software uh, format, uh, absent of city staff influence. I didn't want my influence or anybody's influence affecting the outcome. Um, and then we had the prioritized list, which we brought to council in November. We did a lot of engagement through that and included, you know, the standard things that we do, right? We have our city express blog posts. We reach out on social media. We let the council offices know and they can share them out. We had newsletters. Uh, we did our own email blast. If you're on our email list, we held virtual meetings. Uh, and then we, when, uh, for the first phase, we didn't do as much in-person engagement because it was like the COVID times. But for our second round, we did a lot more event. We went to Trades Day. RT, bus, RT was having their bus stop improvement plan efforts. We went to their workshops, National Night Out events, which are always so much fun. Uh, so we went to a lot of in-person events. Um, we shared information with organizations that you might know and recognize, like Resources for Independent Living or ACB, the California chapter of the California Council of the Blind. I'm sorry, I always get that name stumbled when I say it. And we asked them to share with their contacts. And the outcome was that prioritized list of over 700 projects. There are about 83 high priority projects, which we think are going to cost about $1.3 to $1.5 billion dollars. And then how does the city determine what transportation need is a priority for grant funding? Because um, of all of our planned transportation improvements, what's the highest or even what of the high priority projects in the TPP should we seek funding for? Because there are 83, it's a lot of projects and we don't have a lot of money. So what we often do is we, uh, we have to align the grant objectives. So everything is funded through grants well, what are they trying to fund? What, how do we align our high priority projects with those? Uh, and so what you, we have here on the slide is a list of um, grant opportunities. The first thing we do is review the, the high priority projects in the transportation priorities plan. And then when the grant opportunity comes along, it could be a Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant, um, a TERSIP grant, which is the Transit and Inner City Rail Capital Program. It could be an active transportation grant program, Safe Streets for All, the Local Partnership Program, the Bridge Investment Program, and the SACOG Flexible Funding. These uh, seven grant opportunities are the ones that we most typically go after for transportation projects. So what we do is we try to align those grant um, funders with the projects that best meet their needs. And then also, where are we in the phases of project? Are they phasing, are they funding preliminary design? Okay, great, which projects are ready for preliminary design? Or are they funding final design? Which ones are in that phase and most ready for that one? And which ones are, are we ready for? So we try to align that up as much as possible. So these are the grant opportunities in our decision-making process. All grants that we go after before we apply, we go to city council and seek their approval. 
for those grants and um, based on their approval we'll apply and fingers crossed that we get funded. And so with that, um, there was an overview of transportation planning. Um, how do we decide what becomes a plan and how do they move forward? I thank you very much and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Uh, Clerk, is there any uh, members of the public who wish to comment on this presentation? Thank you, Chair. I currently have no hands raised for public comment. Okay, well, well, thanks for the presentation and your continued support of people with disabilities. It's been going on for years from your department. So, uh, Commissioner Kennedy, you had your hand up first. Well, thank you, Chair. And uh, I just wanted to share that sentiment. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for, you know, keeping us in the loop. Uh, you know, it's been a few years now since uh, you approached us about ride shareables and all that. And I think you really helped us out an awful lot, too, about helping to advocate that more agencies stop by and run things by us, you know, at a time in which we wanted, we're reaching out, we're left and right, hey, come speak to us about things. You, you are, you've definitely been not only an advocate, but a, you know, a great friend of this commission. Thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Absolutely. Um, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Hello, it's so great to see you. Thank you. I wanted to, um, Thank you for the presentation. I wanted to commend you on your use of ADA-friendly language and describing your visual with the um, sneakers, cars, and wheelchairs, and also uh, not using the TPP acronym before you explained what it was, <laughs> which helps us lay people um, better access your, um, your presentation. Can you put up the image with all the little colored lines with your high priority projects? I did have a question about an, um, about that image. There were some black lines that are not on the key. And so I'm, I was wondering, are those like really super priorities or that are, do those symbolize some existing infrastructure? Commissioner Tuzon Boyd, it's wonderful to see you and to be here again tonight. Um, Fabulous question. I didn't go over the content of this map. I do try to explain the visuals as I can. This was a little bit more complex. So for folks who uh, might not be able to see the map that's on the screen right now, it's a map of the city of Sacramento. It includes a lot of different lines and a lot of different colors. So I'll explain those. Um, all of the lines represent transportation projects that are in the city. Um, those are not yet built. The uh, black lines are those lines that are projects that are funded but haven't been built yet. Um, and so you'll see things like the Del Rio Trail or improvements on Florin Road. So those are the black lines. The um, green lines are projects that are came out as lower priority in the transportation priorities plan. The golden projects are the midterm projects. And those that are purple are the higher priority projects. I hope that answered your question. It does, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned... Um... Caltrans funding, does SB1 funds come into any of that? Is that part of the, I know, and I don't want to get into the nitty gritty because it's very complicated, but is that part of the repavement of the streets or is, um, are those for more comprehensive projects like what you're talking about with us tonight? Fabulous question, Commissioner. So for folks who don't know, SB1 is on a Senate Bill 1. 
uh, funding. It's a gas tax source of money. Um, there's normal gas tax and an SB1 gas tax. Uh, and this one is a relatively new one based on the California voters who voted, I can't remember, a handful of years ago to pass that new gas tax. SB1 dollars actually are in a number of places. So some SB1 dollars come into our maintenance program. Some SB1 dollars are part of grant-funded programs. So for example, right now we are pursuing a grant that is SB1 funded for um, climate change adaptation and how do we manage our transportation infrastructure with climate change, increased heat and increased storms and that is funded through SB1. And so the state takes some of those dollars and puts them in different places. The local partnership program, which is another grant opportunity also has some SB1 dollars in it. Okay, and so one more uh, funding related question. I know that there are sources of uh, federal funds that assist with access for example, language access, which could be used for, you know, Braille or sign language. Are there any federal grant funding um, opportunities for transportation projects that facilitate access on our sidewalks, streets, parks, and other community amenities that could bolster, um, you know, the need for the financial need for these projects? Commissioner, she's on board. You've asked me a question that I don't know the answer to. Um, but and I'd like to have the answer. So I think what we'll do is I don't know if Josh knows whether or not there is, but if not, what we can do is circle back and get the answer for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, again, thank you for your presentation. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Okay, thank you. And also to my fellow commissioners, the 57 page document is attached to uh, the minutes if you want to look at those maps in more detail. Uh, personal interest, they are very interesting. So very good. Thank you so much. Um, again, this is a receive and file, no vote required. We'll move on in our meeting. The next item on our agenda is for member comments, um, questions and meeting conference. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Commissioner Kennedy, you are the first to buzz in once again. Thank you. Chair McMillan, uh, you're doing an amazing job. Great first meeting. And I think even before the meeting, I'm not sure if anybody caught it, there was a question of whether or not we had enough reform, but you were on it, not only on it, but you had the, the language there, of the ordinance and everything like that. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much for your job as chair. Oh, thank you. Uh, on Boyd, Commissioner on Boyd. I echo uh, Commissioner Kennedy's compliments. Um, I did want to pose the question of whether we will be meeting in person in March. As you guys recall, uh, we did uh, approve the um, recognition awards and we wanted to make sure that we let folks know um, whether or not we'll be meeting in person in March to present them. And then I think um, maybe need to make a decision if that's not happening, if we wanna push it out until we do meet in person. And then the second thing I wanted to mention, as I know we have talked in the past about um, calls to 311 in regards to um, access and, and um, whether or not they um, are fully trained to do referrals to Josh. I just want to advocate for um, an addition to the 311 app. A lot of times the city messaging is to use that app and not call in. Um, I would, uh, I gather, especially post storms that um, 
staffing is also issue for the 311 hotline. And so perhaps if there was even just a, a place on the 311 app that had um, a link to Josh's email address um, versus submitting a request, that might be um, a way to help facilitate um, getting that information to him um, without having to worry about whether or not somebody who answers a hotline knows knows who he is and how to reach him. Um, I can quickly answer that. They know me pretty well. So I'm okay. actually on the three ones ones list for a couple items, um, ADA being one of them, bridge maintenance. I get a lot of emergency bridge calls. Um, I get some construction calls on the weekends. So um, they definitely know who to forward uh, their information to. And I have most of the, actually most of the requests I do, do come from 311. Okay. Good. So it's, yeah, there's no real issue there. Okay. So it's more sure anecdotal. The, yeah. The app is basically like an email, like a written message. Those I get forwarded to me, but uh, I'm not too familiar with the app per se. I just know the phone system. Yeah. The app is, you know, you can download on your phone and you can do different types of requests. You yeah. know, you miss your garbage, yeah. traffic enforcement, that type of thing. But we had um, somebody, a member of the public who had commented that, uh, it seemed whoever they spoke to on 311 was challenged with um, pointing th them to you yeah. as a resource. So I just wanted to follow up on that. Yeah, I couldn't comment. speak to that. But I think I remember that comment. Um, I can't speak to that one call. Sometimes it might get lost in translation, but pretty much if you just say the ADA word, it goes to me, whether it belongs with me or not. Okay. All right. Go for that stuff. Yeah. Thank you. And do you happen to know whether we're meeting in person in March? Hi, this is Jacob Bredberg, um, clerk in this meeting. Uh, so the current plan is March. Um, the date isn't set in stone yet, but we're working hard on our end to get everything ready to have everyone back in March. Uh, but we will let uh, the commissions know, um, hopefully well in advance, that uh, that commissions or that the next meeting will be in person. Great, because we have an item where we wanted to invite um, recipients uh, to chambers if that's where we're meeting. Thank you. Hey, Commissioner Kennedy, you have your hand back up or is that? Yeah, just a really quick um, uh, correspondent with Josh today about uh, how to facilitate the process of the Tim Haley Awards. And uh, he suggested each commissioner reach out to the recipients. In addition, the commissioners that wanted to provide the email addresses to Josh as well for a follow-up email. But it you know, sounds like also part of the process is uh, figuring out if we're going to be in person in, in March. And also, I want to thank Josh for personally coming out a few weeks ago. Uh, there's an issue in our neighborhood how the Pocket Canal Parkway meets up with Salton Sea Way. Uh, specifically, you, you have to almost go right into the middle of the street to, to get off the uh, Canal Parkway onto Salton Sea. And he came out personally, took a look at everything. And uh, even went around farther down the block to take a look at things too, such as curb ramps and all that stuff. So thank you so much, uh, Josh, for taking time out of your personal day, your personal life to you know, help out your uh, help us out here in the pocket. Thank you. So um, getting back to the Tim Haley Awards, um, commissioners who sponsored people, you are prepared to um, contact the folks that that you 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 have nominated and. Uh, be ready to speak and, and do your presentation at the hopefully in-person meeting in March. Um, we do have um, certificates or awards that we do hand out. Um, is that 
uh, I just want to check that we're going to have those and who is going to do that. Is that you, Josh? Do you do you actually make those up to have present? Yeah, I'll, I'll print up some certificates okay. and um, put them in a frame. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, I do have, have here on my log to talk about the Capital Action Day Ad Hoc Committee. Um, my suggestion, oh, Brandy, you had your hand up. Did you have something else? Yes, I just wanted to say I um, I wanted, I volunteered to contact Elizabeth Morgan. She was um, Commissioner Neal's nominee or nomin, yeah, is yep. that correct? Anyway, um, Commissioner Neal uh, resigned from the DAC, and so I volunteered to contact um, Elizabeth and let her know. Um, I feel like Commissioner Santana had a nominee as well, and Josh, who was that? Can you remind us who that was? I do not remember off the top of my head, but I, I can contact Commissioner Santana and work with him to see if okay. he could make him as well as, as well as his nominee. Okay. I, I feel like I – oh, I, now I remember who it is, David Bain. So, um, yeah, if you need help reaching out to those people, just, just let me or the other commissioners know. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, as I was saying, we have the Capital Action Day Ad Hoc Committee update. Uh, my suggestion is that we remove this. Um, as we know, ad hoc committees no longer exist. So um, that one and the ad hoc committee for public meeting accessibility, um, my suggestion to the clerk is that we remove those from the uh, from the um, meeting script for future meetings. Um, and since this is we did have a ad hoc committee for the Tim Haley Award. Uh, I'm proposing that we agendize that for public meeting in October or November of next year for next year's award, since there is no ad hoc committee meeting. Um, the last item is public comments. So Matt is not on the agenda. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on uh, public comments or Matt is not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have no hands raised for public comment. Well, thank you. Um, I'd just like to thank the commissioners for being here tonight, um, the presenters, and special call out to the city staff who have extended their long day to be here and make our meeting happen tonight. Thank you all so much. This concludes the meeting. This is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Okay.